I think uh, so many of you I've had uh, the privilege of meeting before. There might be someone uh, who's new, who doesn't know me. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Larry Powers, and I'm one of the uh, pastors over at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs in Diamond Park. And my assignment is to direct the Bible colleges over there. And tomorrow we actually begin classes again. And it's uh, pretty amazing to see what the Lord uh, has done in our Bible college in these last five years that we've had the uh, privilege of giving direction to the school. Um, five years ago, the school was about 150 students, and this semester we have around 300 students. Uh, five years ago, we didn't have any online classes, and now we got about a third of our program up and online. Uh, we have students uh, down in Cambodia, in Seoul, South Korea, in uh, South America, back in New York, they're all around the world uh, that are studying online with us. Um, when we came five years ago, we, uh, Pastor Ellery's wife, her parents were missionaries down in South America. And so they had three small schools that were there, and we helped to give oversight for them. Uh, but the, just this last year, we were able to help start a school in uh, Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Uh, we start, helped to start a school in Seoul, South Korea and then uh, another one in South America down in Ecuador. So uh, it's pretty amazing uh, just to see what the Lord is doing. Uh, the thing that we're just so thrilled about is uh, the next generation that's coming up. You know, the Lord uh, is doing a work in the hearts of those young people, and we watch it happening. Um, just this last year, we had the privilege of speaking at the Calvary Chapel Youth Workers Conference, and to see the hearts of these young ones. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, I got to speak at the Calvary Chapel Worship Leaders Conference, and your pastor, Raul, uh, was there. Uh, we got to spend some time together, and it's the Lord's doing a great work. Uh, so I'm excited to hear you guys are praying because that's the big key. Everybody knows that because uh, God hears and answers prayer. So... You know, we came back uh, to Southern California five years ago, and uh, we were having a Tuesday morning leadership meeting over in Diamond Bar. And uh, after the meeting, uh, I turned around just to shake hands with people who were there. Turned around, there was this handsome-looking pastor. His name, I stuck my hand out. I said, what's your name? And he says, my name is Raw. I said, well, that's easy to remember. It was Raw Reese. And something in that moment clicked. You know, the, I don't know if you ever met a person like that where your heart is just like instantly linked together with that person. And over the past few years, I've come to love your pastor so much. He's a dear friend of mine. And um, so cool that Bettina's here today. We should give her a hand, huh? We love her a lot. Most of the time that I come, you know, she's out gallivanting with your pastor someplace having a good time, you know, and so it's kind of kind of fun uh, to have her here today, although uh, all the guys are gone. They're lost, though, right? Uh, they're going to miss out, So, but we'll catch up with them later. Well, how many brought a Bible with you today? Oh, so awesome. Please open in your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 139. As I was praying about what the Lord wanted us to study together as a group. He really put on my heart to have us look at this very important psalm 
Psalm 139. And the title of our Bible study today is God Cares About You. God Cares About You. October 12, 2012. October 12, 2012. That is a landmark day in human history. Most people don't even know what's so significant about October 12, 2012. They have no idea why that's so significant. Why that's so important is because on that day, the population of this planet exceeded 7 billion people. Never before have so many people lived on this planet. Never before in human history have so many people lived on the world at one time. Seven billion people is a lot of people. Sometimes you hear the word billion and it doesn't really register in your mind because million and billion sort of sound the same. But believe me, there's a huge difference between a million people and a billion people. Let's say you got a million people together and they join hands together to form one long line. A line of a million people would stretch all the way from this church to Sacramento, California. That's one million people. That's a lot of people. But if one billion people joined their hands together, it would encircle this planet 24 times. And if you got all 7 billion people together to join hands, it would wrap around this planet 165 times. 7 billion people is a lot of people. Let's say you wanted to meet 1 million people. How long would it take you to meet 1 million people? Let's say you walk up to a person, you shook their hand and said, my name is Larry, what's your name? She says, Bettina, oh, so nice to meet you. And then, my name's Larry, what's your name? Oh, my name's Colleen, and nice to meet you. And you, you took 15 seconds to meet 1 million people would take you 175 days. To meet one billion people would take you 480 years. And let's say you wanted to meet every single person on the planet, all seven billion people. And you took 15 seconds with each one of them. Hi, my name is Larry. What's your name? 15 seconds with each one of them. It would take you 3,360 years to meet every single person on this planet. Seven billion people is a lot of people. And when you think about all the billions and billions and billions of people that are on this planet, it can make you wonder, does God really know about me? Does God really think about me? 
does God really care about what is going on in my life? Does the Lord see all the hardship and the difficulty and the things that I'm going through? It's like the story of a man named Jose. He was a Christian man and he was a landscaper and he was going through a real hard patch in his life wondering, does God really see what's going on in my life? Does God really care about what's happening in my life? And he woke up one morning just feeling so discouraged and praying, Lord, I just need to know some way, somehow today that you see what's going on in my life. And so he went out on his job and they were trimming some trees that day. And when they came on this uh, one tree, they noticed that there was a bird's nest that was up in the tree. And so they couldn't cut any of the branches off uh, if there were uh, eggs, uh, baby uh, birds in the tree. And so he scales up this huge ladder and he gets up to where the nest is and sticks his head inside the nest. He couldn't believe it. There were no birds in there. There were no eggs in there. But you know how birds, they'll take twigs and sticks and papers and all kinds of things to make their nest. Somehow, some way, a bird had taken a little scrap of paper that was from a church bulletin and used it in that nest. So when Jose got up the ladder and he looked over into the nest, right there in, his eye, in front of his eyes were the words, God cares about you. And what that little scrap of paper was to Jose, Psalm 139 has always been to God's people. Because of all of the chapters in the Bible, if you ever wonder, even for a fraction of a second, that among all the millions and billions of people on the planet, whether God cares about you, whether God sees what's going on in your life, this psalm will tell you and remind you in a way that will literally take your breath away. Now, as we study this chapter together, there are five things that we're going to talk about. And if you happen to have a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, I would highly encourage you to write these things down. Uh, if you don't have a piece of paper, write these things in the front of your Bible. They're that important. And they will be such a great blessing to you. Five things... This psalm shows us about how God cares about you, how God cares about me. Five reasons why you can be sure and never doubt for a moment that you are important to God. Reason number one is because God knows, God knows absolutely everything about you. God knows absolutely everything about you. Now we're going to be a little interactive this morning because it's good to talk to each other in church because we're the family of God. Are we not the family of God? Yes, we are the family of God. So I want you to turn to somebody right now and just simply say to them, God knows absolutely everything about you. And they're going to say it back to you. Will you do that right now? Turn to somebody right now and say, God knows absolutely everything about you. This is what verses 1 to 6 is about. Look at verse 1 to 6. Here's what it says. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. 
You are acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Now, God knows everything. The theologians talk about the omniscience of God. He knows everything actual, everything possible. God doesn't learn anything. God knows everything. But even though God knows everything, notice how David doesn't say here, God, you know everything. He says, oh, Lord, you know me. Me. What does God know about you? What does God know about me? Well, David mentions three things. He knows everything you do. He knows everything you say. And he knows everything you think. He knows everything you do. Look, look at what he says. You know my sitting down... That's what you do at night when you go to bed. You sit down on the edge of your bed and then you go down to sleep. And my rising up, verse 3, you comprehend my path. That's what you do during the, during the day. And my lying down. In other words, God knows everything you do all throughout the day. God knows everything you do all throughout the night. He knows how many times you turn over in your sleep. He knows everything you're doing. He's constantly aware of every single thing that's happening in your life. But he not only knows everything that we do, he knows everything we say. And notice what David says here in verse 4. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That's pretty amazing. They tell us, the average man speaks about 15,000 words in a day. The average woman speaks about 20,000 words in a day. Um, you know, I usually use up about all my 15,000. I come home, Colleen, she's got about 5,000 more. So I'm a good listener. <laughs> I don't know how they count up all those words. But you start counting up how many words that represents in this room. That's pretty amazing that God knows every single thing that we say all throughout today. But he not only knows everything we do and everything we say, he knows, amazing, everything we think. Verse 2, you understand my thoughts. You understand my thoughts from afar off. In other words, God knows what you're thinking. He knows the deepest things in your life that absolutely no one else knows. I can know something about you by watching what you do. I can know more about you by listening to what you say, but I don't really know what's in your mind, and I don't really know what's in your heart. But here's the wonderful thing. God does know what's in your mind and in your heart. You know, there are some things that are just too difficult to describe to other people. You know, sometimes you walk up to somebody and say, how you doing? And our answer is always, not true a lot of the time. Not true a lot of the time. And so many people don't really know what we're going through. They don't really know 
what we're thinking and feeling. I remember growing up in church, and sometimes we'd have prayer meetings, and, you know, the pastor would say, somebody have a request, and people would raise their hand. And then every once in a while, someone would raise their hand and say, I have an unspoken request. Because I can't really share with people what's happening. Dear ones, I'm here to tell you, God not only knows what you do and what you say, He knows the deepest thoughts of your heart. He knows what you're going through. Sometimes your husband doesn't know what you're going through. Sometimes your wife doesn't know what you're going through. Sometimes your kids don't know what you're going through. Sometimes your best friend in all the world, your BFF, they don't know what you're going through, but God knows what you're going through. And he's always known what you're going through, and he always will know. One of my favorite verses in this psalm is verse 5. You hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Behind, that's the past. Before, that's the future. See, here's the thing. God knows everything about you. He knows everything that's happened in your past. Listen, and he knows everything that's going to happen in your future. And he knows everything that's going on in your life right now. And his hand of blessing and goodness is upon you. And when David, he realizes that, he explains in verse 6, such knowledge, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Oh, dear ones, I've come with a good word today. And that is, among the billions and billions of people on the planet, God knows absolutely everything about you. God cares about you. Be sure of it and never doubt for a moment. Oh, I, I love the words of the chorus that we sometimes sing called, He knows my name. I have a maker reform my heart. Before even time began, my life is in his hand. I have a father. He calls me his own and he'll never leave me no matter where I go. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. And he hears me when I call. But there's a second thing this psalm tells us that shows about how God cares about us. And that's what we see in verse 7 to verse 12. And what is that? That God will be with you no matter where you go. Not only does God know absolutely everything about you, but God will be with you no matter where you go. Turn to somebody right now and say to them, God will be with you no matter where you go. And they're going to say back to you, God will be with you no matter where you go. Turn right now, say to somebody, God will be with you no matter where you go. And they're saying back to you, God will be with you no matter where you go. This is verse 7 to 12. Look at it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell or the pit, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike 
Verse 7 again, where can I go? See, God is not only omniscient, he knows everything about you, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere with you. And David, in wonder, in adoration, in worship, imagines his trying to be anywhere where God is not with him. And he describes three hypothetical places. Three times he uses the word if. The the first one describes something that's vertical, as high as you can go and as low as you can go. The second is horizontal, as far as you can go from one direction to the other direction. And then the third, it, it just jumps dimensions to talk about light and darkness. And notice what he says, verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, behold, you are there. If I make my bed in the pit or literally the very center of the earth, you are there. If somehow you could just click your finger and all of a sudden you'd be on the moon, 211,000 miles away. You know who would be there waiting for you? God. God, because he's with you no matter where you go. If some of you can just click your fingers and be in the very center of the earth, you don't want to be down there. All the molten lava and all of that. But if you could do that, who would be waiting there for you? God would. Why? Because no matter how high you go, and no matter how low you go, the Lord is with you. And then, this is interesting, he says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the innermost parts of the sea, even though there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall lay hold of me. This is interesting. The wings of the morning, it's describing the rays of the sun in the morning. And he mentions here the uttermost parts of the sea. Well, David's in the land of Israel and there's a sea next to the land of Israel. It's called the Mediterranean Sea. You guys... Bettina, have you guys been to Israel? Oh, okay. If you've ever, anybody ever been to Israel before? Maybe some of you have. Let's say my Bible represents the land of Israel, and if you have seen a map of the land of Israel on the west side of the land of Israel, it's a huge ocean. It's called the Mediterranean Sea. And you know that the sun rises in the east, and it sets in the So the dawn, that's when the sun rises. And what David says here, if I take the wings of the dawn, east of the land of Israel, there are these mountains. They call them the Golan Heights now or over down by Jordan, wherever David happened to be. And what happens is when the sun rises in the east and just peaks over the top of the mountains, what happens is the rays of the sun, like they, they, they take like wings and they across the horizon to the furthest part of the sea. David's using a poetic expression for what we call the speed of light. Scientists tell us light travels around 186,000 miles a second. I have a word for that. Wow! <laughs> Amazing! That's fast! And here's what David's saying. Even if I could go from the farthest point east to the farthest point west, At the speed of light, you know who would be there waiting for me and for you, God? Because no matter how high you go, no matter how low you go, 
no matter how far one direction or the other direction you go, God will be with you. He's always with you no matter where you go. Well, David, as it were, just, he jumps dimensions. He needs another way to describe God's presence. So he says here, this is incredible, verse 11, if I say surely the darkness will follow me, the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. See, no matter how high you go, God is with you. No matter how low you go, God is with you. No matter how far you go, God is with you. And no matter how dark it gets, God is light. And when God is with you, even the darkness will seem like light around the world. It's like what happened with a young father. His name was Andy Green. Andy uh, married a beautiful young lady, and uh, together they had a precious little uh, boy. His name was Mikey. And life was good for them. And then Andy's wife, she started feeling ill. She went to the doctor, and the doctor said, I'm so sorry to tell you, you have an incurable cancer. It's very aggressive. It only gave her a few weeks. And... The prognosis was correct, and a few weeks later, she was gone. And Andy, who was a Christian man, part of a wonderful church, you you can just imagine the day of the funeral, there's family and friends, and I mean, the church was packed, and everyone was so supportive and helpful. But then when the service was over, he had to go home alone with his son. And he tucked his son into bed that night, and then he crawled in bed, and he could hear his son crying softly in the next room. And he just yelled out, Hey, Mikey, are you okay? And he said, uh, No, Daddy. And uh, his dad yelled, He said, Would you like to crawl in bed with me? A few moments later, there was a pitter-patter of little feet. And old Mikey crawled in bed next to his dad, and it was silent for a moment. Then all of a sudden, Mikey says, Daddy, it's so dark in here. It's so dark in here. His dad just reached over and grabbed his hand, and he said, it's okay, Mikey. I've got a hold of your hand. I'm not going anywhere because it's just dark. And then a few moments later, that little boy went to sleep. And Andy, as he tells it, alone there. He looked toward heaven and he said, Daddy, it's so dark in here. It's so dark. And he said in that moment, he almost felt a hand come down from heaven. And he said, never in his life had he ever experienced the presence of God so strongly. It's almost as if he heard an audible voice say, it's okay, I have your hand. I'm going to be just fine. Dear ones, I've come with a good word for you today. Not only does God know absolutely everything about you, he will be with you no matter where you go. 
no matter how high you go, no matter how low you go, no matter how far you go, no matter how dark it may get in your life. We serve a God who is a never leave you or forsake you God. But there's a third thing in this psalm that will remind you just how much God cares about you. And that is that God uniquely created you for a special purpose. God uniquely created you for a special purpose. Turn to somebody right now, and I want you to say that to them. They're going to say it back to you. Turn to somebody right now and say to them, God uniquely created you for a special purpose. Say that to someone, will you? And they're going to say it back to you. God uniquely created you for a special purpose. This is what we see in verse 13 through 16. Look there. You, you'll see it right in front of you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God is not only omniscient, he knows all things, and he's not only omnipresent, he's everywhere present, he's also omnipotent, that means he's all-powerful. God created everything that exists. But David doesn't say here, Lord, I praise you because you created everything that exists. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because you made me. You know, you are unique in all of the world and that God was involved in your coming into being. Somebody says, well, I, I, I thought I was, you know, the offspring of my parents. I'm the product of a reproductive act. Yes. But this book says right in front of you that somehow God was watching over all of He was orchestrating all of that so that you would come into being. Now, I don't know. You know, it's highly possible some of you were conceived in unusual ways. I don't need to know how all that happened. <laughs> but this book's the inerrant word of God. And what this book is telling you and me right now is that none of us is a mistake. No one. And what this is telling us is that every single one of us were uniquely created by God. And here's the thing. God doesn't make any junk. He doesn't. It's always amazing. It's always astounding. You know, God was involved in that process to bring you into the world because you and only you 
are the fingerprints you do. You and only you have the eyes you do. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. One of the sad things about our culture is it brainwashes people to think they've evolved. Not so. Not so. The difference between you and I made in the image of God and any animal on this planet is vast. Is vast. And we're learning every single day just how astounding we are. How incredible we are. Everybody just wiggle your hand for a moment. 17 muscles working in perfect harmony. Everybody smile at me. I like that. Oh, that was good. That was good. Nice smile. Just took you 50 different muscles in your face to produce a smile. When you sleep, your heart's beating and you're not even thinking about it. When you sleep, you're breathing and you're not even thinking about it. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, we're just discovering in our day just absolutely how incredible that is. They tell us, I mean, it's just mind-boggling that in the human body there are some 50 trillion cells. And every single cell in your body has a program in it, a blueprint in it. So just one, just one of those 50 trillion cells could produce a you. That's the, the blueprint for the whole of your life. And in that cell, you know, the DNA, that double helix that goes together, I mean, it's, it's like thread that goes back and forth. <laughs> they tell us if you just unravel just one of those strands, it would go to the sun a hundred times. Just one cell. And the information in that one cell could fill 200 volumes of the smallest print. I mean, astounding. God made you. God loves you. God cares about you. Jesus said, don't you know even the hairs of your head are numbered? Now, God loves me because he didn't have to count as much. <laughs> he knows when they go down. He knows absolutely everything about you because he uniquely created you. This is amazing. Verse 16, you saw my unformed substance, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Before, before the doctor slapped your little tiny bottom when you came out of the womb, <laughs> and you went, ah! <laughs> God knew. God knew the moment when you would be old and gray and breathe out your lifespan. And he didn't just know your lifespan. He knows the events of every single day. What you're going to do after lunch today, I have no idea. God does. He has a plan. And he has a purpose for you. He's with you no matter where you go. And he uniquely created you for a special purpose. But number four, oh, write it down. God is always thinking about how precious you are to him. 
Number four, God is always thinking about how precious you are to him. Number one, he knows absolutely everything about you. Number two, he's with you no matter where you go. Number three, he uniquely created you for a special purpose. And number four, he is always thinking about how precious you are to him. I want you to turn to somebody right now, so important. I want you to look him in the eye and say to them, God is always thinking about how precious you are to him. And they're going to say that back to you. We do it right now. Please do it right now for me. Look at them and say, God is always thinking about how precious you are to him. This is verse 17 and 18. I'm not making it up. Look, you look at it in your Bible. Verse 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. Literally, toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Verse 17. How precious are your thoughts toward me. It's not David's thoughts about God. It's God's thoughts about David. It's not our thoughts about God. It's God's thoughts about us. See, when I'm asleep, I'm not thinking about God. And I wish I was thinking about God all day long, but I'm not, and neither are you. But do you know day and night, 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 God never stops thinking about you. And what are his thoughts? Well, David tells you. Precious thoughts. The word yakar in Hebrew means valuable, expensive, wonderful thoughts. Precious thoughts. Uh, when I walked in uh, today, someone put an engagement ring up in my face. Uh, somebody's engaged back over here. Very, we should give her a hand. We're so proud of her. That thing on her finger is pretty precious. Can I just tell you what? You are way more precious than that to God. And he's always thinking about how precious you are to him. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Many of you know it so well. Jeremiah describes God's thoughts. He says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. Thoughts of good and not of evil. To give you a future. And I hope God's not in heaven thinking, man, I'm going to get him good today. <laughs> No, he's thinking, how can I bless them? How can I love them? How can I pour my mercy on them? How can I pour my grace on them? How can I help them? How can I enrich them? How can I strengthen them? How can I love them? He's always thinking, 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 thinking. I like the story, perhaps you've heard it before. A family, they're headed home from church, and the little boy's in the back seat, and he says to his daddy, he says, uh, hey, dad, is it true? Is it true that God is always watching us? God's always thinking about it. And his dad, you know, he was a wise man, and he knew his son pretty well. And he says, well, son, why do you ask? He says, well, I was acting up in my class today, 
And my teacher said to me, you better stop that because God's always watching you. Is it true? Is it true? God's always watching us? The father, pretty quietly for a moment, wanting to respond in the right way. And then he said, yes, son, it is true. God is always watching us. And the reason why is that he loves us so much, he just can't take his eyes off of us. How many good, gracious, wonderful, amazing thoughts is God thinking about you, thinking about me? Glad you asked. Because, <laughs> verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. How many grains of sand are on the seashore? I don't know. I don't want to even try to count them. <laughs> But every time I hit the beach, I reach down and grab a handful of sand, and I just look at it for a moment. And then I look one direction down the beach. And then I look the other direction down the beach. And I say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You are so amazing. You love me that much of all the billions and billions of people on the planet. You know everything about me. You're with me no matter where I go. You uniquely created me for a special purpose. And you are always thinking about how precious that I am to you. Well, the fifth and final thing we see in this psalm, so important, is that God will help you with whatever troubles you are facing. God will help you with whatever troubles you are facing. Turn to someone right now and you say that to them. Would you do that? And they're going to say it back to you. Say to them right now. Look them in the eye. Say to them, God will help you with whatever troubles you are facing. Say it to them. Will you do that? God will help you with whatever troubles you are facing. This is what verse 19 to 24 is about. It's kind of an unusual part of the psalm. David says here, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men, for they speak against you wickedly. He's talking about evil, wicked people who hate God. Do not I hate them, O Lord, who hate you? Do not I loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Why? Because they're the enemies of God. We don't know what David was going through right now. But evidently, there were some enemies that were coming against him. Some enemies that hated God and they hated David. And David was no doubt in a situation that's worse than any situation you and I will ever probably face. I mean, he had his own son trying to kill him. And his son had the power of the whole kingdom behind him. And so here David is in this very difficult situation. And so notice verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, my worries, my cares, my burdens. Lord, you know what I'm going through. You know the trouble that I'm facing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see 
there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, it's a prayer of David. David's saying, God, you know everything about me. You're with me no matter where I go. You uniquely created me for a special purpose. You're always thinking about how precious that I am to you. So, Lord, you know what's going on in my life right now, and I need your help. Look down in my heart. Touch these worries, these cares, these burdens, these concerns, these anxieties. What is David doing here? He's doing what the Bible tells us to do in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Peter writes, speaking the word of God, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. This is what David is doing. He is doing what you and I ought to do. He is doing what we should do when we come to the house of God. We come to the house of God with burdens and cares and concerns and we should cast them on the Lord and then when we leave, it's different. (laughs) Because we don't carry those burdens, we don't carry those concerns, we leave them with the Lord. One of my pastor friends, a wonderful mentor of mine, he's now in heaven with the Lord, he was doing some missions work down in Guatemala. And one day the missionary there said, we were going to go to this village that's way up on the top of this mountain. And so they got in this um, flatbed truck and they started up the mountainside, really narrow, a dirt road. And as they're going up the mountainside to do ministry in this village, they noticed up ahead of them there was a man and he was carrying this huge burden of sticks on his back. They were in this bundle and this man had collected all of this firewood and he was carrying it up the hill. And so the missionary pulls up next to this man. They roll down the window and the missionary says, would you like a ride? <laughs> and the missionary, the, uh, the man said, of course. And so the missionary said, just hop in the back of the truck. And so they hear the guy get in the back of the truck and they start up the hill. And my pastor friend, he's just curious about how the man's doing. And so he turns his head and he looks over his shoulder and he sees something amazing. <laughs> Here's this man with this very heavy burden on his shoulders. He gets up in the truck and he keeps the burden on his shoulders. Instead of taking the pack off and just laying it down on the truck, he's still carrying the pack even though he's sitting on the truck. And the Lord whispers to his heart. And he says, that's how it is with you. Come to me and I'm well able to carry your burdens. But you keep them. You keep them. And they learned a very important lesson that day. And that is, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will hold you up. He will sustain you. Jose crawled up the ladder. He stuck his face down into the bird's nest. And there was that piece of paper. God cared about you. And what that piece of paper was to him that day, 
I pray this homage to you too. I pray through saying to each other and studying through this psalm, the things we've shared with you today will linger in your mind and your heart. I pray the notes you've written down will stick in your Bible. And when you're having a hard time, when you're on the freeway among all those cars and there, <laughs> all this traffic and you wonder, does God really see what's going on in my life? Does he really understand? Oh, dear ones, be sure and never doubt for a minute that God cares for you. He knows absolutely everything about you. He's with you no matter where you go, no matter how high, no matter how low, no matter how far, no matter how dark. He uniquely created you for a very special purpose. Only you can fulfill. I can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. Nobody can do it. He, he's always thinking about how precious you are to him. That's an amazing thought. And I don't know what troubles you're going through. But he cares. He's a very present help in trouble. He'll help you no matter what you're going through. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this wonderful song, this amazing song. Lord, I thank you for all these precious people you've brought today. Lord, we have the sense today that you ordered our steps that every single one of us would be here because you just wanted to remind us of how much you love us. Lord, for anyone who might be here today who is facing some difficulties in their life, I pray right now they would cast their burden upon you. Lord, as we just worship you in a moment, and are dismissed, we pray all those cares, all those troubles, all those concerns, we would leave here. And we would walk out of this sanctuary, this place of worship today, encouraged, built up, uplifted in you. Lord, thank you so much for Pastor Rawl and the guys up the hill. We pray you would bless them as they're there with a very special time. We pray you would watch over them as they head down the hill, keep them from any accident or injuries. And Lord, I thank you so much for Refuge Bible Fellowship. It's an amazing place. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done in the past. You've been so faithful. And yet we believe you for even greater things in the future. So bless Pastor Raul and Bettina. Bless their family. Just do a work here, Lord, like never before. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Can we do that? I'm really glad you came to church today. I'm glad I came to church today. So awesome. We're going to sing one final song of worship.